My name is uh, Stan Gale, a retired pastor and an unretired grandfather, very active in the business. All right, our uh, text this morning is from John chapter 6, and if you notice in your worship guide, it goes on for three pages. But I'm only going to be reading um, a portion of it. Now, that'll be our text for the entire message. Uh, But I'm just going to read now verses 48 through 58. So let's give ear to the reading of God's word. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat, the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me, the title of this morning's message is The Bread of Life, so let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for meeting with us this morning to receive our worship, to receive our expressions of praise as we recommit our hearts to you and recenter our lives on you, our God. And Lord, as you have inhabited the praises of your people, So we ask now that you would inhabit the preaching of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, when you you think of bread, what springs to mind? Um, Some of you may hear the word bread and think carbs, and that's not a good thing, and just give me the hamburger without the bun. Some of you may think of the different kinds of bread that there are. You know, artisan breads or sourdough and maybe the salivary glands get going a little bit. Most of you, my guess, will just think of bread as like bread and water, you know, the staples of life. And surely that's what our Lord Jesus had in mind when he prayed, said that we pray daily for, Lord, give us this day, our daily bread. Give us those necessities to life. And it's, these, it's that aspect that we want to bring to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 begins with Jesus feeding the 5,000. 
And he did it in part by multiplying two loaves of bread that a, a boy had brought. And that was a miracle. And Jesus used that miracle to teach. To teach and say that there, are, there is a bread that will nourish you and satisfy you physically. But there's another bread that I want to tell you about, Jesus says. And that is a spiritual bread that upon eating it, you will have not only sustained physical life, but you will have eternal life. And that's when Jesus turns and says, I am the bread of life. Well, how do we want to understand Jesus when he says that he is the bread of life? What does he mean by that? Well, in part, it ties in with John's statement, John's purpose statement uh, for his gospel. What John does is, is, and this is from John 6, in his gospel account, he lists the purpose for which he wrote the gospel in John chapter 20. And here's what he said. He said, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Two things that John emphasizes in that purpose statement for his writing the gospel. There's one, there are two threads there. There's one dealing with identification. He wants us to see Jesus. He wants us to see Jesus as the Christ with all that that means. He wants to, us to see him as the Son of God. That's identification. But there's another thread woven through the gospel. And that is invitation. That not only is Jesus the bread of life, he invites those who read to come and to partake. That this life that is in Jesus Christ might be theirs. Well, in our text this morning, we're going to trace those two, th two threads. You notice in verse 35, Jesus, you see these two threads here, identification and invitation. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Identification. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Invitation. So let's trace these two threads. All right, first, identification. Uh, Jesus is the bread of life given by the Father. Jesus is the bread of life given by the Father. So when Jesus identifies himself as the bread of life in this teaching, he does so in three ways. The first thing he says about himself, first, one of the ways is he says he is the true bread. He is the true bread. Look at verse 31. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. These are the Jews speaking. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. And so the Jews, they bring up manna. And we can read about manna in Exodus uh, 16. And manna was a miraculous provision of God for his people in the 40 years of their wilderness wandering. Now, the word manna, the Hebrew word for manna, means what is it? What is it? 
uh, when I was a pastor, one of the things I liked to do was to give those who were being presented as new members a little, a little card. And on that card would be their name and its, its origin and what that name meant and then a Bible verse associated with that. It was kind of fun. So there was this one woman who was being presented for membership and her name was Mana. Mana. It's like Mana except with only one N. Mana. So I look at Mana, uh, I look at Mana and I said, uh, do you know what your name means? And she goes, what is it? I said, that's right. <laughs> I, I could not have choreographed it better. What is it? Manna um, is a wafer-like substance that formed on the ground with the dew. You could grind it. You could boil it. In fact, in Numbers 11, there's a cookbook, a virtual cookbook, for the various things you can do with manna. And in this wilderness wandering, it started abruptly. There was a point when it wasn't on the ground with the dew, and there was a point where God had appointed it, and it came with the dew. And then it stopped abruptly when they entered, when they first ate of the produce of the promised land. And this manna would show up six days a week. It would not show up on the Sabbath. And so there were various instructions related to that. So it was something that was miraculous. In my library, I used to have a, a book uh, that talked about various things in the Bible. And uh, it, showed, it, it purported to show a picture of manna. Well, that raised my curiosity. How could it do that? And what they were doing in this book was they were trying to give a naturalistic explanation for this supernatural phenomenon. Manna wasn't, there's nothing naturalistic about it. It was a miracle by God. It was bread from heaven. But Jesus said, as remarkable as that manna was, it was not the true bread. He said, he was the bread from heaven that gave life. Manna, he said, was just a preview, a preview of what was to come. It's just, I'm not a golfer, but I've watched some golf, and I know that when the players hit their balls on the green, the golf balls, and so they don't get one another's way, they'll put a little marker there, a little flat marker. Uh, now that marker is not the ball. But the marker represents the ball, represents the spot, and it says this is where the ball is going to be. And that's what manna was. It was a marker for the true bread that was to come. So Jesus said, he says, I'm the true bread. But there's another way that he describes himself as the bread from heaven, and that is as the living bread. The living bread. Verse 49. Your father's ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. All right, how is Jesus the living bread? Is that just another way of, of saying bread of life? No, I think there's something else going on here. You ever played a game, 20 questions? 
Uh, and one of the things you need to figure out with 20 questions, you know, help narrow things down, is you need to figure out what category what you're trying to guess fits into. Is it a person, a place, or a thing? Now, what's manna of those three? It's, it's a thing, right? And what's Jesus? He's a person. He's a person. As a person, Jesus is the living bread in two ways. Now, in John's gospel, there are seven I am statements, where Jesus begins the statement by saying, I am. And he does that here when he says, I am the bread of life. And what Jesus is doing there is he is tying in to the fact that he is the Son of God, that he is eternal without beginning, that he has being in himself. You know, we have derived beings, but God has inherent being. And that was represented when God first introduced the name I am to Moses of the burning bush where the bush was burning, but it wasn't being consumed because the fire was self-existent. It did not need, the bush was not fuel for the fire. And Jesus, as the living bread, says, I am the eternal God who has life in himself. But there's another way. And that is Jesus, the eternal God, eternal Son of God, became a living, living being, taking to himself true and full humanity. Now, when, when Jesus is talking to the Jews about this, they were kind of scratching their heads and figuring out what's going on. In fact, this is what they said as Jesus makes this claim. Verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Joseph, the son of jo uh, Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? See, what Jesus is doing is he's saying, I'm the living bread. I'm the living God who became a living being. Jesus was not inanimate manna. He was eternal God, incarnate as a living being, the living bread. All right. Jesus says, as the bread of life, he says, I'm the true bread. I'm the living bread. But there's one other thing that he says. And he says this, I am the bread of God. I'm the bread of God. Verse 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I've got a, a friend, uh, a missionary friend, who's been missionary to France for many, many years. Uh, he's an interesting guy. His name is Hugh. And uh, he, he will tell me that American bread is not bread. He said, if you want real bread, you've got to go to France. I've, I've been tempted all these years to send him a year's supply of Wonder Bread, but I decided against that. But what's John saying here when he says he's the bread of God? He's saying that there is no other provision of God for life. He alone is the bread from heaven. He alone is the bread provided by God for the life of the world. Now, when John says world, what's he talking about here? He's saying this. Now, uh, He's saying this, that the world, well, the world is divided into two groups. 
Jews and non-Jews, Jews and Gentiles. And what, what Jesus is saying is that there is not one bread, there is not one way of life, one way of salvation for Jews, and then a different one for Gentiles. There is one name given under heaven by which we must be saved, and that is the name of Jesus. So in calling himself the bread of life in these three ways, the true bread, the living bread, the bread of God, we see Jesus identifying himself as the Christ, the Son of God given by the Father for the life of the world. All right, that's one thread, identification. Jesus is the bread of life given by the Father. But there's another thread woven through John's gospel and also that we see winding its way through our, our text here this morning. And that is invitation. We have the life Jesus gives. Life is bound up in Christ. We have the life that Jesus gives through faith in him. All right, so here's Jesus as the bread of life. How do we partake? How does that life that is bound up in Jesus Christ, how do we gain that life? If eternal life is found in Christ, how can we live eternally? Well, look at verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. What do we do with that? Now, you know, we, we might have the very same uh, question that the Jews had. What, what do we do with that? Well, let's look earlier in our passage and see if Jesus, where he points us to how we can have life with him. Look at verse 35. He says, I am their bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Verse 47. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. When John gave his purpose statement, the reason that he wrote his gospel, the thing that he wants us to make sure that we understand as we close his gospel account, what does he say? He says in John 20, 31, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So how do we receive eternal life? The one answer to that question is through faith, that we believe on the Lord Jesus. We put our trust not in what we do, but we put our trust in what Jesus did in his saving work that's chronicled for us in John's gospel account. 
But Jesus teaches something else here, and that's this. Our believing is the product of the Father's beckoning. Our believing is the product of the Father's beckoning. Verse 35, again, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Now, the Bible teaches us this, that all of us here in this room, every person who has ever been born with the exception of Jesus Christ is born dead in sin. In fact, the scripture goes so far as to say this, there is no one who seeks God, not even one. We are dead in sin, not sick, dead, unresponsive. But the Bible teaches that we who were born in sin makes it clear that we can hear the voice of Christ and that we can come to him not only by the Father's invitation, but by the Father's initiation. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. You see what what we're being told here? We're being told that Jesus is the bread of life. In him is eternal life. And we are told that we gain an appetite for Jesus as the bread of life by the work, the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. That's how the Father draws us, is that we who are dead in sin are given ears to hear. That's why Jesus said, he who has ears to hear. And the Holy Spirit brings those who are dead in sin, to give, makes them spiritually alive, and gives us ears to hear that we might come and embrace Jesus Christ by faith. I came to Christ when I was a senior at the uh, University of Delaware I was raised in a religious home, and basically I was outside the home, just rejected all that rubbish. I thought it was absurd and irrelevant. Um, you know, I heard all the, nor- all the religious things, because I did go to church, and I heard about Jesus, and I heard about the cross, heard about the resurrection, and tossed it all away. But then in my senior year, it was October of my senior year at Delaware, I've been attending some InterVarsity Christian Fellowship meetings, and I've been hearing things. And I didn't hear anything new, but all of a sudden the things I was hearing started to make sense. Not only did they make sense, they became desirable to me instead of silly. In fact, they became necessary to me. So that in October of my senior year, I went back to my dorm and I knelt at my bed. That's what we prayed, kneeling. 
I thought, and I embraced Jesus Christ offered in the gospel. Now, what made the difference? That wasn't new information. The things I was hearing, I had heard before many times. It's the Spirit of God who opened my eyes to the glory of the cross. Open my ears to the promise of Jesus Christ. Well, what's all this stuff about eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood? Where does that come in? Well, let's think of it this way. If Jesus describing himself as bread is a metaphor, you know, a metaphor is a representation of something, an analogy, if Jesus describing himself as bread to communicate something to us through that metaphor, then it makes sense that receiving this bread is also expressed as a metaphor. Feeding upon him makes sense as that metaphor for receiving life. Now, Jesus is explained here and it's explained throughout John's gospel that the way we receive Christ is through faith through believing upon him. And here, feeding is a way to express believing. In fact, feeding is a remarkable way because it speaks of great intimacy and how personal it is to believe, to feed, to receive Jesus Christ. By faith, this is what we're told, verse 56 I'm sorry, 57. As the, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And what Jesus talks about here is something that we see frequently in the Gospel of John, and that is abiding in Jesus Christ. Us in him. He in us, so that our fellowship, we who are sinners, we who are dead in sin, alienated from God, we have fellowship with the Father, fellowship with the Son, fellowship with the Spirit, and that fellowship will be unbroken forever and ever. Why does Jesus speak of his flesh being true food and his blood true drink? I think he's saying two things. One is this, that he, the eternal Son of God, he took to himself true and full humanity. It wasn't a mirage. He became truly human, an actual human being, just like us, to represent us, except, of course, without sin. And the other thing that this says is this, he took on our humanity to carry out his redeeming work on the stage of human history in the fullness of time. So in other words, Jesus didn't, uh, it wasn't just symbolic or fable or figurative. Jesus actually came to this world, walked in obedience, went to the cross, poured out, uh, the wrath of God was poured out upon him, the wrath that we deserved. Our sin was atoned for, and Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, and that is finished. Our words that have to do with us, 
with all that the Father has given him, that Jesus talks here in John 6. All right, two threads. Identification and invitation. Identification. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I'm the true bread. I'm the living bread. I'm the bread of God for the life of the world. The bread that all of history has been waiting for. It's not manna. An invitation. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst, but will live eternally in fellowship with the living God. I don't know many of you. Uh, I don't know where you stand in your relationship with Jesus. I don't know where you stand in your opinion about Jesus. But I can tell you this from this word, that if your trust is not in Jesus Christ, if he is not your sole hope of salvation. I urge you this very day to hear his call and to come unto him and be saved that you might know life eternal abundant and free. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would bring us to knowledge of Jesus Christ and coming, Lord, that you would bring us to a greater knowledge of Jesus Christ and then may we grow in that grace and the knowledge of him who loved us and gave himself for us. In his name we pray, amen.